Hey, it's Eric G. Around the House is sponsored by Baldwin Hardware. For 75 years, Baldwin Hardware has been known for its first-class quality and craftsmanship in door and cabinetry hardware. As an alumnus of the Baldwin Hardware Design Council, I can say I have seen the details and quality from design to the finished product. If you're looking for a new style and old-world craftsmanship, I can tell you there is only one Baldwin Hardware. Check out what would look great in your home at baldwinhardware.com. It's around the house. When I was a kid in school, man, we, we there was zero concern of air quality. We didn't even have air conditioning. You know, it'd be ninety-five degrees. Oh, yeah. We were just sweating. Oh, yeah. <laughs> heat. Ah. Where's sweat. that heat coming through? It's coming through the asbestos-covered pipes over in the corner. Don't play with that asbestos. You know? I mean, yeah. That's just kind of how it was. And, and then we had Legionella. Yeah. We had a Legionella outbreak in our in our uh, high school, so they shut us down for a couple. I don't think days. Legionella would have even lived in our school. It was so bad, you know. But it was the best <laughs> of 1940s technology at the time. <laughs> well, and, and we would always suggest in, in schools that first of all, it, where possible, is doing an inline system. Like we've completed over 300 schools here in Calgary or not Calgary, Canada. When it comes to remodeling and renovating your home, there is a lot to know, but we've got you covered. This is Around the House. Welcome to Around the House with Eric G and Caroline B. When we talk home improvement, healthy homes, interior design and construction every single week. Thanks for joining us. Hey, Caroline, how you doing today? Hey, Eric, how are you today? Good. We've got a subject that you are always preaching about this is gonna be a good topic today i love it i've i've been a proponent of ultraviolet technologies since i don't know probably 2002 in air ducts because they were using uv technology in water treatment for a very long time i think since the 1950s but our guests will tell us better but ultraviolet light is used to disinfect to kill microbial agents antibacterial agents and it's very effective when it's used properly, especially in homes, indoor air quality and the like. So I think our guest today has got some awesome technology with UV and also is pretty much a go-to person that I would look to for information about how ultraviolet technology works. Nice, nice. Well, let's introduce Stuart Henley from Air Sniper. Welcome to Around the House, brother. Well, looking forward to having a good discussion about UV today. Sounds good. Well, let's talk about that because air quality over the last couple of years, whether we like it or not, has been a constant discussion. And now that people are getting back to work and bringing stuff back home and restaurants are opening up, I think even having that healthier air is, is more something that people are more aware about now than ever before. Well, I certainly think it's become more top of mind. Certainly the pandemic is made everybody aware of indoor air quality, where maybe prior to that, people just assumed that their indoor air quality was fine, but now mm. are more demanding proper indoor air quality. Agreed. And Caroline, I mean, you do so many air tests out there, right? You see what people are living with in their homes every single day. And there's, I mean, there's no perfect home and everybody needs some sort of what I call technology to deal with IAQ. And I don't think whether you're dealing with mold, you're dealing with bacteria, you're dealing with dander, volatile organics, 
your home is not perfect. So you have to find the right system for you. And I always, I'm a proponent of testing prior, finding out what your issues are, and then implementing a system that's actually going to work. And what I love about Air Sniper, so first tell us about the name, Stuart, because Air Sniper is like the coolest name I've ever heard. How did you come yeah, up with that? Yeah, some people actually find it a little aggressive, but uh, nah, I mean, it's, it's good. meant to tell the story. I mean, we're out there killing uh, the airborne pathogens that pass by our lamp, and we make sure that we have sufficient amount of energy to do so. And all of the things you mentioned, dander, mold, uh, bacterial, uh, viral, every every uh, piece of airborne pathogen that, that passes by our lamp is properly irradiated and it becomes inert. So explain the difference to our audience. So a lot of people are familiar with what I call these little UV light bulbs that a lot of, I'm not going to bash on them, but a lot of the commercial HVAC industry, when they go into your home and they come to do a service and they show up and they're going to service your furnace, they try to sell you what's called ultraviolet like technology. And people often think because they get this through their HVAC that they're covered with this little bulb that's maybe the size of my hand that shines back on your HVAC. So tell them why, one, that they aren't really protected using that. It's sort of gimmicky in my opinion, but why they really need to have UV light that's properly calculated for their system and also installed properly and does what it needs to do. Right. And just step back for just a second on the HVAC supplier. They're typically just unaware of, of necessarily all the attributes of UV to begin with. And they know what they know. So obviously they haven't found air sniper yet. Otherwise they would find no other brand to carry. <laughs> um, that being said, I mean, it takes a certain amount of energy to kill an airborne pathogen. So that being said, if you, if you have something inadequate, let's say, uh, uh, 18 or 36 watt lab. Uh, typically, there's just not enough energy there uh, because it's always about proximity, uh, intensity, and dwell time. You just don't uh, have the right amount of science uh, from a standpoint of intensity of UV to properly irradiate the actual pathogen and making it inert. Uh, therefore, um, we have a 300 watt lab. And the, the beauty of our lab, above all others out there in today's marketplace, is everybody has a filamented mercury vapor lab. And they last typically about anywhere from 12 to 18 months. Certainly anything past that, it, it degradation curve takes it well below 70 percentile from new. So energy is always declining. Now, our lab actually because it's an induction, which is we excite the gas through magnetics as opposed to a filament, we actually get five years plus out of our lab. And we don't hit past the 70% degradation curve until about six years. So, and also depending on the duty cycle of an indoor air furnace, you might get somewhere in the neighborhood of 10 plus years, depending on how many times your furnace comes on, because our unit actually detects airflow turns on when the air is present, turns off when there is no air. So no need to uh, have the lamp on while it's sitting idle in the airstream. Makes sense, makes sense. Why waste that energy and use the life up of the bulb, right? Exactly. Very cool. So how does this really affect inside your house? I guess is my question, because you guys are more geeky on this stuff than I am. I've been learning from Caroline over the years here on indoor air quality stuff, but as a homeowner, for instance, how does it really affect the indoor air quality inside the home? What can someone expect by using a system like this? 
Well, what they can expect is, is to have a pathogen free airflow throughout their home. <clears throat> so if somebody comes in with a cold or even, or if there's uh, outside influences, I mean, if we bring in pathogens on our clothing, uh, every time we open the door, we're exposing ourselves to potentially more, uh, more, more problems that uh, can flow in through the air, pollen, all kinds of, of disrupting things that can happen within your home. Whereas our unit does 100% of the home because it's directly put into place on the return air stream of your forced air furnace. Now, obviously, if you don't have a forced air furnace, that's not to say we can't help you. We have other devices, standalones, but in to, to get full home coverage, typically in winters, we close up or even summers for that matter, when it's hot or using air conditioning, we close up our windows and we recirculate the air within the home. And our unit, every time the air passes by our unit, gets properly irradiated so that there's nothing that comes back through to the homeowner themselves or any, any occupants in the home. And certainly that's not, we do worry about the word irradiation. It, there is no radiation per se that, that goes along with this product. It, uh, <laughs> it's, it's just done through a wavelength of 253.7 nanometers. It's also worth noting, too, that we're one of the few UV companies that have obtained a UL2998 rating, which is also something that's very important. And we've always been a zero ozone company. Um, we believe ozone is not good to introduce into occupied spaces. And it's been proven that it is a toxic gas and it does have harm to, to humans, anything carbon organism, which we all are. And uh, so, yeah, we've, we've made sure to, to not produce any ozone within the home as a result of our, our lab as well. What's interesting, Stuart, and Eric will attest to this too. I was on doing a program on Sirius XM radio, and it's amazing how many customers call in still to this day, and they think it's okay to use these ozonators. I mean, those are really powerful machines that can do all kinds of damage, regular machines can still produce ozone and we try to eliminate that. So if you just kind of touch on ozone and why people don't want to use it, I think it's helpful because we know our audience, people still think it's okay. Yeah. And, and ozone is a very aggressive gas. And I mean, it will clean surfaces in your home. So if it's cleaning the surface inside of your home, you can appreciate the power that it possesses in, in such that anybody with a prolonged exposure to ozone Will, will develop a respiratory illness of some sort. It'll be some, something that, uh, because it is attacking, obviously, your lungs. We're carbon organisms. It's made to, to kill uh, carbon organisms. Well, I was going to say, it does a great job when I take my car into the car detailer of making it smell like a new car smell when they go in and clean the thing out, but you've also got to air it out afterwards. Well, and it, so that was the one thing I was going to say. People kind of accept okay. it because... It's take it's a it's a notable okay. it'll take all the smells out of your home all of your VOCs, however, uh, and it'll smell like fresh rain. Uh, so basically, people aren't offended by the smell of fresh rain or after a thunder and lightning storm. So it's it's a pleasant smell that we know as humans. So for that reason, people believe it's doing the job. It's taking away the fish smell I had for dinner, however. It's, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's creating harm to us and, and it certainly sh should not be put into any home. In fact, in California, the carb rating 
you can't produce any more than 50 parts per billion of ozone or you can't sell your product in the state of California. And I'll explain that UL 2988 is actually a factor 10 better than CARB that we, we produce less than five parts per billion. And typical background ozone in, in our air is about five parts per billion, you know, between three and five. So uh, that's an acceptable range, but we shouldn't be adding to that in any way. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. And yeah, there's so many different, as technology goes on, I mean, how many people bought that uh, off the internet, those little um, air scrubbers that you would come in that were, you know what I mean, Caroline, the little black ones that had like the, the fins, sharper the sharper image ones that you could plug into the wall. That, or Alpine. <laughs> Alpine. Yeah. They were sued. A lot of those companies that made pure ozone generators. I mean, back in the nineties, we didn't know so much and people were using them to get rid of mold and things like that. And then slowly, but surely people develop lung disease and it stripped the lining of your lung and people got really sick. So they ended up suing and through, you know, bad things happen. And then we learn, but that's how it all kind of transpired. That right. And I also say that us. any other device out there that doesn't specifically say that they have either carb rating, which is UL2 or 867 or UL2988 shouldn't be used because they get away from it by not mentioning it. Or they even say that they use broadband uh, spectrum UV. And when they say broadband uh, spectrum, it typically has a UV component or a ozone component. Uh, it's only through proper doping of the glass. I mean, all UV will produce ozone. It's, it's all very dependent on on the doping of your glass to make sure you only allow the wavelength of the germicidal wavelength of 253.7 nanometers through and cut out all of the rest. So just a quick question, Stuart, and I don't know if this is out of your purview, but what do you think about the hydroxyl systems that have become so prevalent? People hear a lot about hydroxyl systems now because of COVID-19. A lot of restaurants put them in um, and they're using... As you know, a I think it's it's a moisture and a UV technology to produce this hydroxyl. What do you feel or do you have a feeling well, about I mean, safety? Here's the other thing. Hydroxyl supposedly would go out and clean your surfaces. So anything that's going that actually says that they're going to clean your surfaces are almost guaranteed to have something aggressive that are looking to kill carbon organisms. And again, I go back to the point that if we're killing carbon organisms on surfaces, what are we breathing in? Uh, the other thing to note about hydroxyls exactly. is hydroxyls don't have a lifespan. So a hydroxyl is generated and then its lifespan is in uh, micro to nanoseconds. So once it's been created inside the, we'll call it the hydroxyl generator for lack of a better term, um, it doesn't go anywhere because it won't get to the surface that you're looking to and all of that. So if they're, Truly claiming hydroxyl cleaning, typically, and I always say typically, um, it has a component of ozone and they use the ozone as a cleaner, but they call it a hydroxyl generator. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because, you know, the one that I have in my house, which Interesting, right, um, we talked a little bit you're not familiar with that I put in my house this last year, which is uh, I've got two systems. I have the, the my carrier infinity system that I put in, and so it has their just brand of... Uh, uh, Degapa air filter there. And then I have this uh, Aris air scrubber coming out of it. 
which they have their quote certified space technology. I'm using air quotes with it because that's just what they market it under. So, and they, of course, they've got all the claims of the, <laughs> of the scientifically proven to work and all that stuff. So it's always curious to see, I haven't run any tests. I'm curious to see in my house if it actually does what it says it's doing. Cause you can't smell it. You can't see it. You can't taste it. Is it actually doing what it say it's doing? Yeah. It's hard to get a measurable on that, of course. And Eric, make sure you send me your address <laughs> after this. I'll get you the proper system underway. There. I'll send you uh, there, there we bro. go. Please hold we'll get you fixed up. See, there we go. We'll fix it, right? <laughs> then we know what's going on. <laughs> Thanks, yeah. Stuart. Well, we're we're a solution company, right? We we create solutions, and that's another thing about Airsync. I mean, we we uh, we have a solution for most, if not all, applications because we have an inline system, we have standalone systems, we have hybrid systems. So there's, depending on the situation in a particular space, we typically have a solution and we're a very innovative company. So if we don't have a solution, we will create one. I mean, we do manufacture hundred percent of our product here in our 80,000 square foot facility in Calgary. We design and build all our own printer circuit boards. We write our own firmware. We uh, fabricate all of our own metal. Nice. We build all of our own electronics. And, and so we do everything in-house. So that that allows us to be flexible and creative and and really be a solution provider to anybody out there that uh, has a you know, situation. Let's talk about those standalone units a little bit because I had not been in a school. I don't have kids in school anymore. They're out of there. And I was in a school up here at our local trade school that has a radio TV program. I was in talking to the kids in there and I was walking around the high school and I noticed that every single room, they had an air purifier in there of some kind. And they had some challenges in the, in the radio TV one mm-hmm. because they had to find something that was quiet that they could actually use and not have it show up at the radio station. And it was fascinating to see. I mean, I knew that they were doing it, but I hadn't really seen it where I was like, Oh, there's one right there. There's one right there. It was shocking to see how many of these things are actually in the schools. And when I was a kid in school, man, we, we there was zero concern of air quality. We didn't even have air conditioning. It'd be ninety five degrees. We were just sweating. Oh, yeah. Heat. Ah. Where's sweat. that heat coming through? It's coming through the asbestos covered pipes over in the corner. Don't play with that asbestos. You know? I mean, yeah. that's just kind of how it was. And and then we had Legionella. Yeah. We had a Legionella outbreak in our in our uh, high school, so they shut us down for a couple. I don't think days. Legionella would have even lived in our school. It was so bad, but it was the best <laughs> of 1940s technology at the time. <laughs> well, and, and we would always suggest in in schools that first of all, it where possible is doing an inline system. Like we've completed over 300 schools here in Calgary or not Calgary, Canada, and. A variety of different schools and it's always best if you do inline because now you have total coverage of the whole school it's not room by room now we're getting hallways bathrooms uh foyers offices and so on however when there is no ventilation and you want a standalone unit roll in the corner and you would typically buy a, a HEPA unit with probably some carbon filters in it to take out VOCs that you roll into the corner and I think probably the biggest drawback to those particular units is one is maintenance and the other one is noise. So typically, Eric, you might have seen them, but you probably would have heard them first <laughs> before you saw them if they were on. So 
Well, some of those sound like big room air conditioner units, like out of an apartment or something, where it's just rah, 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 just that dead hum going. Yeah, and so and so we, we try to tackle both, you know, the maintenance issue and certainly the sound issue. So we've created a standalone unit that goes into your classroom and it's Bluetooth controlled, so that the the teacher or whomever can actually control it from their desk and not have to get up and turn it up and down if they choose to. But uh, even ours is running at 800 CFM, which is typically double of everybody else's. And we're operating somewhere in around that 48 to 49 dB level at full speed. Wow. And that's quiet for people who don't, like our audience doesn't know, as you increase your CFM, you get a much louder, it's like a motor, right? So think about it like a car. You increase your the power in your car, you're going to get a louder engine. It's the same thing. So what they're able to do is force a lot of air, move a lot of air at a very quiet level. And that's very important, especially if you're in an area where you, you have to teach over that or you have to instruct and people need to hear you. Well, 48 to... You know, 48 to 49 decibels is comparable to what a very high-end dishwasher is. If you went out and bought a $1,200 dishwasher that's running where you can just barely hear it's running, that's what you're talking about. Yeah. And standing right beside it, normal conversation is not uh, interfered with at all by the by the noise. You're not raising your voice or having to listen more intently. Uh, you would talk at normal levels. I mean... Sure, there's some white noise in the background, but it typically blends into the background very quickly when the unit's been running in and people have been in the room for more than five minutes. Yeah, that's so much better than like my range head, which is probably getting close to 100 decibels when I have it on eye. So when that thing's <laughs> cranking it, uh, it's, uh, hey, can you turn off the range head? You know, it's <laughs> hard to have a and conversation. So- and to that point too, so you bought, you saw a lot of those units, like you say, and they're spattered through rooms, classrooms, you know, offices, and so on. And and either they'll be off, or they'll they will be put on low, which now takes your 400 CFM level down to like 100. And and uh, I read a recent article that you typically need 10 air changes per hour to properly combat airborne pathogens. And the other part of the equation that I didn't speak of yet was uh, maintenance. So maintenance on those other units are every six to 12 months, you're having to replace the filters in the units. Um, That being said, we don't have any filters in our unit because we are are, are, uh, simply irradiating the problem. So we don't, we're not a particulate uh, capture system. It's a kill system and therefore um, typically in a classroom that will run, let's say 10 hours a day, um, you're going to get probably about 13 to 15 years of use out of our unit with zero maintenance Wow! So, and a low, low noise level. So I have a question for you, Stuart. So we want to remove particulate because we know particulate by itself increases disease states, causes inflammation, can increased cognitive decline, dementia. Okay. So how would your product, and I look at purifiers sort of like, what's my problem? What do I want to solve? Because there are some good to a lot of different products on the market, right? Not every product's bad and some products effectively get rid of what I need them to. So knowing that I usually typically use UV for microbiological, for mold, for fungus, for 
virus, um, bacteria. Do you feel you can fare as well with dander counts, particulate, VOCs, or do you think it's there's a better application for those types of things? Where does the air sniper fit in? Well, VOCs, no, because uh, typically the best way to combat VOCs is with a carbon filter. However, carbon filters desaturate and they need to be replaced. Correct. We do have a slot on the bottom of our standalone unit that takes a standard off-the-shelf uh, filter that you can buy at your local uh, home hardware or on Amazon that you can just slide in. We have a bracket on the bottom that slides in, nice. slides out, so you don't have to mechanically take anything apart. So if you want to capture some of the, we'll call it the, the particles, it certainly has a filter that you can put in it if you wish. So that is available. Good. Oh, so um, for homeowners, okay, so price point's always the key. Where, so what are they looking at? If a homeowner wants to invest in a system for the residential home, let's just take a standard 2,000 square foot house. Um, you know, what are they looking at as far as price point, installation? Would they do this with their HVAC company? How do they go about getting this product and installing it? Well, certainly anybody can certainly go to our website at airsamper.ca and or through many of our, our distributors, of course. And typically it is a DIY project if you're at all handy. It, it would I've, I've installed numerous ones and uh, they take about 15 to 20 minutes to put in. Nice. And you're complete. So it's very easy to install. It's, we take the magnetic reflectors that we use to put on the inside of the ductwork that are magnetic back. So take it out of the box, put the magnetic uh, spot on your return air duct, find a spot where everything fits, draw a Sharpie line around it, cut it out, place our reflective panels on the inside, tech screw it into the ductwork, plug it in, and forget about Isn't it. Isn't that cool, Eric? Nice. For all our DIYers, wow. you can now, I don't want to hear anybody complaining about worried about viruses and all of this stuff, you can do it yourself with the air sniper. No excuse. That's cool. So it, does it just measure the airflow going through there? And is that what, uh, is that what turns that off and on or how does that work? So we have a differential air pressure switch. So the minute we have a presence of air, it obviously creates a differential between the inside of the duct and the outside world. Mm -hmm. And that is the trigger that turns the unit on. So when there's absence of air, obviously, um, the, uh, pressure is equalized and then the unit turns itself off. Cool. And this goes so on the, this goes on the intake side or the exhaust side of that air handler. <clears throat> we always like to put it on the return side because then you're getting everything that's, uh, mm -hmm. uh, prior to the coil and your air conditioning. So we'll keep your air conditioning coil clean from mold and mildew buildup as well. Uh, that's not to say you can't put it on the supply side. You can put it on the supply side as well, um, but we prefer to see it on the return on a forced air unit. Nice. nice. How much space do they need, Stuart? Like, so if you're looking at a return in a traditional home in a wall, some people have one or two returns. How, where, how much space would they need? Uh, so you need the return right at, at the furnace itself or furnace air conditioning. Mm -hmm. um, and you need 24 inches by... Uh, by 12 inches okay. is all you need. And then you install it into the duct. And you have to have obviously power close by that you can plug it in. Sure, which is generally pretty easy since you've got power to that unit there and 
almost always there's an outlet close by if not, if there's not one right there at the handler. Right, and our our unit also runs at like three point six amps at one ten, or if you want to lower that, you can get to one point eight amps at two hundred eight. Wow. Okay, so it's nice. not taking any power at all, really. No, no, no. It's very light on power. That's good. That's good. So well, price that's point. Interesting. I mean, you know, what? Oh, yeah, price, price point. point is this a massive investment? Of course, it's sold across the the North America here, of course, and the you know United States and Canada, wherever else. But is this a, a massive investment for somebody to put this in their house? No, it, it's it's not. And, and considering if you amortize the cost over the lifespan of the product, so we're saying ten years, and and you're you're going to be. Uh, less than $3,000 completely installed. And what people nice. have to recognize too, so clients of mine, when you install, so HEPA filters and a lot of these systems, we're putting in a lot of the heated HEPA now, which heat up. I mean, they're running about $3,000 as well. Um, and you don't have to change the filter for five to six years. But when you're looking at traditional filtration and you're buying something that's, let's say, around $800, you have to you have to calculate out changing that filter. And a lot of what happens with my clients is they forget to change the filter. They don't want to spend the money to change the filter. And now that HEPA filter or any kind of purifier that you're using actually becomes a detriment to you because you've collected all this stuff in this filter and it's not hermetically sealed. So that's continuing to sit in your environment with you and recontaminate the space. And so after testing indoor air quality for how many years, I started to realize that these purification systems that were capture, not kill, um, and not destroy, we're actually making my clients worse. Yes, and, and it does add uh, a load to your actual HVAC system in your home as well. So your your engine is going to burn out quicker in your furnace. And there's a whole bunch of other attributes that uh, certainly we don't have any situation with because we don't, we don't impact airflow. Uh, we don't have a capture system. Normally, we'd say if somebody's putting in filtration, back yourself down to a MERV-8, which uh, is really just uh, catch particulate and not the, the, the mold and, and the viral bacterial loads. Well, that's, and that's good. That, I mean, my system, I have a carrier system that I put in about a year, a little over a year ago, and actually coming up on a year because it was in June. I had the best timing in Portland, Oregon, because... I didn't have central air in the house that was working. And when we bought it and I ended up replacing the whole system and taking out the, you know, 1992 forced air system out of my house. But about three weeks before our 116 degree heat that is here in Portland, Oregon last summer. And I put in this air filter, which is the carrier one. But my biggest complaint is, is that Merv 15 filter is hundred bucks the time I change it. It's a hundred dollar yeah, filter. And it, uh, 15 is a very tight weave, as we know. So it, it's very easily, um, captured all it's going to capture in a very short time period and relevantly speaking and adding the load to your, to your, uh, your, uh, motor and your air handler. Absolutely. So it, that, that causes more energy drain too. uh, not to mention the wearing or premature wear out of the furnace fan itself. And a lot of clients, so um, for people who don't know, they if you want to put filtration on your HVAC, it's very hard to do that because think about it, the thicker the filter you go, the more static pressure it can, takes to cre- create and then it causes this 
stress on your motor and also inhibits your airflow. So a lot of the time we can't do that in residential homeowners. We just can't put a big filter on your system for your HVAC or your furnace because we don't have the capacity and we, we can't constrict that flow. So we end up going to these standalone units in residential homes quite a bit. And so the problem with these standalone units is they, they sort of become a, a capture system for all the things you don't want, cat proteins, dog protein, um, peanut allergens, and they actually can contribute to you feeling worse in your home because they're not hermetically sealed. This isn't a thing that nothing comes out of it once it's there. So a system like the Air Sniper doesn't allow you to block airflow on your HVAC so anybody can put this in on a residential um, level, which is important. Yes. And and like you say, and, and sometimes just physically not enough space yep. in some of those situations as well. So and then reminding yourself to reorder those filters on an ongoing basis. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, you know, I will say, and I, you know, Carrie did a great job with my system. I don't want to come across saying they didn't because it's a variable speed system. It's designed for that filter. It's their filter. It's designed to work with that. So they made it work. But, uh, yeah, I, I first time I went out and bought air filters for it, I went out and bought a packet too, and I'm like, that was 200 bucks of air filters that I'm going to use this year. Ouch. You know, I mean, I could have bought you half a tank of gas. I almost. <laughs> <laughs> I know Caroline was talking about going out and buying on our midweek special this week. She was talking about going out and she was heading to the lumber yard. And I said, you get a loan that way you can go get a, get the gas gas station on the way back. You can go buy lumber and go get a car fill up and uh, oh hopefully get the home improvement loan for that. Exactly. <laughs> so what do you recommend for people that, that maybe they're in an apartment or maybe they've got a, there's, we don't have as many out here in the, in, in the Northwest where I'm located, but there's a lot of systems out there that use hot water or steam or, or radiant heat in their homes. And they've got multiple rooms, but they don't have that uh, situation like uh, many Northern climates where air conditioning in a central air system is not, you know, that not that common, or they've got a mini split system that can't affect anything. You really can't put a system into that. What do you recommend for people with maybe mobile units to do in that sort of situation where they don't have your typical air handler? Right. And, and in that particular case, we have to recommend our standalone unit. Um, and albeit it's, it's, it's quite large for a standpoint of putting it in a home. Um, but you need to create airflow if you're going to clean the air. I mean, there's a lot of units out there that they run at 50 CFM or they run at uh, 100 CFM or whatever. And they're just, they're insufficient just from a CFM perspective. And then there's, you know, obviously you can go down to your local hardware store and, and you know, spend a couple hundred dollars and, and put something in the corner. However, I'd, I'd argue to say that most of those are insufficient for what you require uh, in the inside of a home. So uh, we do have our, our standalone unit that uh, works very well in those spaces. It's just a little larger than maybe you're, you would be used to. So obviously you can always dock to our unit if, if you feel the need to do so. Um, so yeah, I mean, there's our option at this particular point is to use our standalone unit that can do, we'll do up to 800 CFM of air and we're also working on a 1600 CFM. For people out there that are trying to think of what a CFM is, I always explain it as a, as a, a cubic 
feet per minute is each CFM is a basketball. So that's 800 basketballs yeah. per minute of air. It's a lot of air. A lot of air. That's like an awesome analogy. I love that. I'm stealing that, Eric. That's stolen. Yeah, you always say, oh, well, I don't know how to calculate it, so I'll just get a bunch of basketball, <laughs> fill my room, and figure out how many I need. <laughs> oh, you're in Canada. You're like basketball. Yeah, that's that thing that happens during hockey season, right? Yeah, it interferes with our hockey season. <laughs> so we, so we always guy, like so. to uh, we like to promote our entrepreneurs because everybody that comes on this program seems to have an amazing um, hobbies. Like, so tell us what you do in your spare time when you're not creating and designing air sniper. So I know I've heard through the grapevine, it's you're pretty, uh, you're an enthusiast. Well, there's not a lot of time between that, but whenever, when I do have the time, uh, certainly, uh, here in, in, in Canada, you have to embrace winter. Otherwise you'll go somewhat insane just by being indoors all the time. Certainly, uh, love skiing. We have some of the best skiing in the world here in the, in the Rocky mountains and uh also uh hiking in the winter i know that might sound uh, crazy to some that live in deep south states but <laughs> it's it's so beautiful in the winter it's so pristine and everything looks so fresh and just so untouched it's 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 unbelievable and then in the summer it's bike riding and, and golf uh, when i can find the time to strip away for five hours to throw around in uh i love to play golf do you travel nice. to, so, are, are you a person that travels to other courses like around the world and loves to golf? Like, are you an avid golfer? Yes, I'm guilty of that. Mm. In fact, I do have a trip. Uh, I've always, I, I went to see the PGA championship at Winston Straits in Wisconsin. And <clears throat> the first year I was there and I've always got to go back and play it. So this year I'm actually taking the journey to go play Whistling Straits, Wisconsin. Nice. There you go. There you go. Yeah. How many? Looking forward to it. How long is the golf season up there in, in Calgary? Is it, what do you got, about four Two months? Days. Two days? <laughs> Two days in July, right? Yeah. <laughs> <We'll be close>. <laughs> <laughs> um, four rounds. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's kind of five to six months. So if I want to play in the interim, obviously I uh, often go down to Palm Springs, California to, Love to it. Uh, play golf. Love it. There you go. That's my the smart favorite way places to go. on the planet is Palm Springs. Oh my God. That and, oh, uh, and San Clemente. San Clemente. I love to. Uh, I love going down to Palm Springs for modernism week. Cause I'm, you know, the design architecture guy. So I love getting down and looking at all those old mid-century homes down there for that and, and taking no, house tours and having a good time. Well, and you, and you always know you're going to have good weather in Palm Springs. I mean, it's probably the sunniest place on earth. Almost. Yeah. Except the last I mean, time I went down there, it took me four hours to get into Palm Springs because of the, the flash floods had closed every road and oh, really? yeah, video. I mean, it washed out. I have video. It's amazing. So the normal yeah. road you're coming in from the, from, from when you're coming in from LA, that main road into Palm Springs was under four feet of water and was washed away. So I had to go, we went all the way around to the backside and found a small road to come in. And the water was so high on that road. Our, our Lincoln navigator rental car, we got it so high in the water driving through downtown regular Palm Springs, 
right by the mall there that we shorted out the electric uh, flip out uh, running boards on it. They quit working in the rental car because we had it up to the door jams, the bottom of the door jams and water out there just trying to get through Palm Springs. So that was the only time that I was like, this is freaky scary because we didn't five roads took us to get into Palm Springs. Yeah, well, the desert doesn't suck up very much water, nope. and, and and reason number seven hundred twenty-two not to buy a rental car. Yeah, yeah, don't buy that one. Luckily, it wasn't my rental. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're driving like you stole it. Oh yeah, thanks, Jen Air. That was your rental. <laughs> <laughs> So what else, have, Stuart, have we not talked about today about Air Sniper that we've missed? Well, we've talked, we touched on a lot of the uh, main subjects. I mean, the one thing you'll find out is that uh, when you engage with Air Sniper is, like I said before, we're a solution provider and making sure that we find a solution to your problem. Um, we're innovative in a sense that uh, if we don't have a solution, we'll create one. And we're extremely flexible. Our customer service is uh, rated number one. We're highly regarded in certain markets. Um, so yeah, there's there's no good reason not to give us a call and uh, start and engage in the conversation where we can help you out. And just nice. touching on, because everybody there was concerned about COVID-19 and, and I think still to a certain percentage, how can something like the Air Sniper help them with pandemic viruses and you know we know this is not going to be the last virus that's going to approach us so what kind of safety can they feel right. if they have something like this in their home well and we have been third-party tested and, and and we put our test results right on our website uh we do it in a with a company in ireland called airmig where they have proper containment chambers that they're cycling the air and the virus into so we've been tested for ms2 which is the surrogate to test for killing COVID or 99.9%. We did H1N1, 99.9%. We did staff, 99.9%. So um, certainly our, our system is non-selective. It, uh, it makes uh, all pathogens in our, be it a fungi, be it a, uh, a bacteria or be it a virus. So your, your protection is uh, wide ranged in in any any airborne pathogen that you have in your home and once it passes by our lab will be uh rendered inert amazing there you go and Stuart, where's the what's the best place for people to find the all this information from the white papers to your technology and everything else on the web well it's definitely we post everything on our website even our white papers uh at uh, there we go. Stuart, thanks so much for Thank coming you. on today. This is great. I learned a lot, and uh, anytime I can learn a lot about uh, indoor air quality, it's a good day for me. And I love it. Well, I certainly Air Sniper. Yeah, certainly air Sniper. That's the best name ever. I'm jealous of that name. That is an awesome name. <laughs> it does what it says. <laughs> <laughs> thanks for coming on today. I'm Eric G. And I'm Caroline B. And you've been listening to Around, Around the, House. the House. Somewhere unseen and undiscovered, anywhere 
Hey, it's Eric G from Around the House. Are you planning a decking or siding project this year? If you are, you've got to check out my friends at Millboard. Millboard is a completely different kind of composite decking and cladding that enhances outdoor spaces with enduring distinction. Hand-molded from the finest oak, it realistically mimics the natural grain and color of premium hardwood. If you're looking for something that doesn't look like plastic and instead real wood, check out millboard.com. Make sure and check out that interview we did just a few weeks back. That's millboard.com.